Welcome to our last Bible study of Hebrews. This is kind of bittersweet for me. I love doing this. I love uh, what I've seen just in my small groups of women encouraging one another, interacting with the scriptures. But at the same time, I know that when you study something like Hebrews, it's a lot. And so I'm looking forward to what we're doing in the summer. And um, you will be hearing about that, God willing, soon. Um, But uh, right now, we're going to just wind up and wrap up Hebrews together. Um, As just another FYI, when this tape gets released, it is right on the cusp of the deadline for signing up for our women's retreat. So unless you're hearing something else when this is published, sign up for the women's retreat if you haven't. The deadline is April 11th. So that is should be this weekend when you see this video, unless I'm totally confused or unless we have another snowstorm and we're all off whack. So in that case, disregard anything I'm saying. Um, but anyway, let's turn to chapter 13, our last lesson, lesson 12 of our Bible study. Um, this lesson The last chapter of Hebrews reminds me of, like, it's little how you wouldn't have thought the writer would have ended things. You you would kind of think he'd come up with this big, like, sweeping thing. And he does have a beautiful benediction at the end. But the whole chapter seems, like, real practical. And, like, he goes from lifting up Jesus to a bunch of do's and don'ts. And you're like, what? It kind of feels like I do at the end of a Bible study where I start, okay, let's add these practical things in. i got to squeeze it in. It, it almost is like a laundry list. And it's a little weird, at least for me. So we'll read that. But um, I, I, I want us to connect what we're looking at this week to last week. So before we do that, let's pray. Lord, you're so good to us. Thank you for this study. Thank you for teaching me, for teaching all of us, especially when Hebrews is a hard book. It's uh, a lot of it's foreign to us. We don't know a lot about Levitical systems and you have just really been faithful to us. I pray that you would help us connect the dots this week in Hebrews 13. In Christ's name, amen. Um, let's uh, read Hebrews 13, 1 through 9. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who were in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who were mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led astray by away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. 
Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through, them, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share with what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us that we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Let's pause right there. Um, first of all, I want us to know that at the end of chapter 12, uh, the writer says, therefore let us be grateful. Like we've talked about all this stuff about Jesus and about salvation, about our new salvation, the new covenant. And he says, therefore, let's do something. Therefore, let us be grateful. And then skip a few words. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. So in the end of 12, the writer's saying, look, based on all that stuff, there is a natural reaction. And it's to be grateful and to worship. And what that looks like, looks like is in Hebrews 13. Okay, so let's bridge 12 to 13 with that of here's what it looks like to live as a citizen of Zion, a citizenship that includes service and worship. So this grace that God gives us produces gratefulness. Remember, therefore, let us be grateful. Let's be thankful. Why? Why do I thank? Well, let's just, let's just, let's review the bidding, okay, of Hebrews, the whole book. Especially like if you look in chapter 13, verses 5 through 6, he says, um, that, that Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have this consistent priest. Um, he's the same. He is always the same. Um, you don't have to worry about him changing on you or rejecting you or leaving you. And bottom line, this whole Hebrew sermon has been about what a perfect Savior, sacrifice, author, and finisher of our faith. What a great salvation. So we are thankful. We are so thankful. And this grace also produces worship. So what Thanksgiving looks like comes across as worship. And we do that in a couple of ways. Um, if you know the story of Mary and Martha and when Jesus visited them, and a lot of times women might say, oh, I'm a Martha. That means I do stuff. And somebody else may go, well, I'm more of a Mary. I just want to sit at Jesus's feet. Well, in a way, we need to be both Mary and Martha. And we see that, that instead of these Old Testament sacrifices that they were used to smelling, seeing, you know, bringing animals, um, the incense, all that stuff. Instead of that kind of sacrifice, you are going to be giving still sacrifices, but a different kind. First Peter says, you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
So there's still a temple. There's still sacrifices of praise. It's just it looks different and it's spiritual and we are actually the living stones that God is putting together into this covenant community, this family of God. It's not your your religion, your faith is never meant to be an individual thing. Yes, it's very personalized and there is a personal relationship you have with God but you are part of this this temple being built together with living stones. Living stones that may have friction as they're put together, but living stones that, that produce this house of God. And we've heard about this house in Hebrews. So um, as we are living stones, as we are actually making sacrifices of praise to God, it look, those sacrifices look like two categories. And they're the Mary and Martha categories. Um, one is you use lips. It's just worship, how we think of worship, the singing, the, the saying, the using words. So, so how you worship first, you want to use those lips. And then secondly, we want to use our hands. So let's look at the way we use our lips. Hosea 14.2 says, take words with you and return to the Lord. When you go to God, take words with you. Say, I am sorry. Say it out loud. Say, I am a sinner. I have screwed up. I need help. Thank him. Thank you, Lord, that I got that bonus so I can pay this bill. Thank you, Lord, that my electricity bill was lowered this month. Thank you, Lord, for this friend you provided for me. Thank you, Lord, for being my God this morning. Thank you, Lord, for that that weed that looks like a flower that reminds me that spring comes every year no matter what kind of pandemic has hit. Lord, thank you. Take your words to God. Psalm 69, 29 through 33 talks about how he will praise the name of God with a song. Again, we have lips, music. This is why we sing in church. This is why you may sing in your car. Sometimes we cannot hold the praise that God deserves and that you just, there's something in you like, I'm not even a good singer, but I have to sing it. It's just the emotion of it. Take your song to God. Psalm 9, 11 says, declare deeds among the people. Declare, tell people what God has done for you. Use your words to worship by declaring his faithfulness, by saying, yes, I went through this horrible thing and I know God was with me. Or I was tempted to, to reject faith and I was reminded of his scripture and it kept me from the cliff of total apostasy. Tell people, use your words. And just like we want to hear praises from our family members or our coworkers or our friends, like sometimes we just need to hear actual words. God delights in our words. But also he delights in what we do. He not only wants us to use our words, but use our hands and our feet. Um, I'm reminded of the passage in Isaiah 6, and you can go read that. Um, Isaiah sees the glory of God. He sees uh, the holiness of God, and he is undone because he's a sinner, and he is unclean, and he, his people are unclean, and here is God. And the seraphim take a coal from the altar and clean his lips with this fiery coal so he's purified. And then God in heaven says, who are we going to send? And 
what Isaiah's reaction is to being cleansed, to being forgiven from being made in, from a sinner and unclean to being able to see God in his presence is he raises his hand and says, here I am, send me. Send me, I'll do it. And actually the job he got was really not fun. But his reaction, the, what his reaction to seeing God's glory and being forgiven was one of service. And just as we want our friends and family to say things of love and praise and use words, we also know that words are proven by action. And that Psalm, I mean, Philippians 4:18 actually talks, Paul talks about how what those Philippians had done in providing actually was a sacrifice of praise that, that um, let's read that. I am well supplied, Paul says, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So when you, you give gifts, when you tithe, when you send your friend a card, when you get, take a meal, when you actually serve, when you come alongside, when you do the things that show love and care, God smells it and loves it. It is a fragrant offering. So that is so encouraging to us that yes, there are still sacrifices happening. They just are smelling differently and they're of a different kind than the Old Testament ones. So secondly, these are acts of citizenship and he starts listing them and they just kind of start coming across like a hodgepodge of things. Like, first of all, he's talking about hospitality and angels and prisoners and then sexual immorality and the marriage bed. And you're like, whoa, like how do I even organize all this? This, this just seems very stream of consciousness. So let's look at um, when we have been loved this much, we love others this way. We want, this is what obedience looks like. This is what fragrant offerings to God look like. Um, First of all, and and it gets personal, by the way. This this is not going to be as fun as like I'm taking a meal. This is going to be like, ooh, you're getting a little personal now. First of all, it's about your time and energy. He starts talking about brotherly love in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. That means you have to actually have brotherly love. You have to actually be with other people. You cannot shun people. You cannot isolate and say, well, I'm just going to take care of myself. Or you're going to have to have conflict resolution. You're going to have to receive and give brotherly love. You're going to have to be connected to a church family. He also talks about hospitality. In uh, uh, chapter 13, verse 2, um, these are two things that, that put, the, put the moves on our time and our energy and demand things of us that require us to be humble, to give, to let other people into our lives. That can, can be very uncomfortable. But this love and hospitality, actually, uh, these acts of kindness and f- of fellowship keep the church body healthy and running smoothly. Okay? Second thing, not only is it about your time and energy, but also it's about your privacy. Um, We're talking about the marriage bed. Uh, We're talking about money in uh, verse 5. We're talking about um, just the way we spend our our intimacy. Um, And that stuff, usually we're like, that's none of your business. Um, And God is saying, yeah, it kind of is 
your church family's business um, because it keeps the whole community worshiping and grateful. Like this is what it looks like to be worshipful and grateful. And since these warnings are in context with the church, they picture our union with Christ as our bridegroom and that this pure relationship must depend on Him and nothing else. Not what you want sexually to make you feel fulfilled. Not what it make, uh, money will give you that will make you feel safe and secure. None of that works. Jesus alone works to give us that. So it's about your time and energy. It's about your privacy. It's also about your attitude. Um, we see that we must be compassionate to those in prison. We must be submissive to our church leaders. Um, these things are hard for us. You know, look around and think, how am I not being submissive to church leaders? These guys are not going to do it perfectly because they're humans like we are, but they're doing it out of love. They're doing it out of calling. God has put them there. And are we going to bite the hand that feeds us? Are we going to make it to where it's harder for them to love us? Are we teachable? Are we thinking? Are we taking? Um, are we humble? Even the writer of Hebrews in the sermon in in verse 22 says, you know, uh, oh, I've lost my place. Uh, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. He's even saying, look, bear with me. I just care so much about you. So um, we, we are going to work better when we're truly empathetic with those in prison for those people who are struggling, for those people who are not connected with the church body because of things, physical things, they can't be there. You know, apply to that to people who can't come to church because of their health issues with the pandemic. Apply to that to persecuted Christians. Apply that to people that are on the outside who may not feel included. Um, this may mean getting dirty. Those prisoners were not at the Ritz-Carlton of Rome, okay? This this means you have to think of things outside your normal path of life. Um, it also means when we are submissive to our church leaders that things are going to run more smoothly. I don't know. I did not have cable, I'm sure, at this part of my life, so I was watching whatever was on the three big channels plus PBS, and The Apprentice would come on and I was struck, uh, the first time I taught this, I must have watched that because it was in my old notes, that the teams on The Apprentice that could not do the project and who lost were the teams that were fighting about who got to be in charge and who got to do this, or I'm really gifted at that and I don't like how you did that because I wasn't chosen to do that. I mean, it was just all this infighting. And they lost. And the writer doesn't want that. The, we're, if you think about it, the team that works together well really will do well together and they will succeed in their mission. So are you teachable? Are you blowing all this off? Do you get to chapter 13 and go, yeah, I'm ripping that page out of the Bible. Are you squirming under this? Is it difficult for you to give up something or to submit? When it is, remember what Jesus did for you, what he gave up and what he submitted to and how he, it was worth it. It was worth it for him. And we ask for him to help us. And that really leads us to our last point, really for the whole Bible study. How am I supposed to do all this? (laughs) 
how am I supposed? I'm naturally not submissive. I'm naturally not a team player, honestly. I'm naturally not uh, wanting people to come talk to me about my marriage bed or about my money or about how I spend my time. You may be really going, how am I to obey? I want to, but this seems pretty impossible. And I want to just give us the last benediction, the last verses of Hebrews to cover that. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. So back to that benediction. May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Remember who he is. Remember the, the star of this whole sermon, Jesus, remember him. This benediction reminds us of who God is. He's the God of peace and power. We are safe with him and we have the power of the resurrection in us. Uh, he's the great sheep, shepherd of the sheep. He is our advocate. Remember Psalm 23. He has a rod and a staff. He guides us. He protects us. He is so like on us. He, we are his prized possessions. And Tim Keller says, look at how God spent himself on you. Look at how he did all for you. So why, how do I spend for him? Will money, time, freedom, personal fulfillment ever supply every need like Jesus does? He will not forsake us. And he is this God of an eternal covenant. He, this, this, this covenant, this new covenant is eternal. It lasts forever. It is not going to change. And then, and then look in verse 21. He's going to equip you with everything good. This list, everything you need to obey, he is going to do it. He is going to give it to you, what you need to do this. He's going to equip you with everything good that you may do his will. He is working in us. That is what is pleasing to his sight. So in closing, let's remember 2 Peter 1.3 that he gives us the power to obey. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of, of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So does obeying and doing this overwhelm you? Yes, it overwhelms me. But we have, we have our co-runner. We have the captain of our salvation. We have Jesus. We have God who gives us what we need. Psalm 119, 173, Let your hands be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. You know, I've been in a place where I know I have sin and I can't, I just know it's there. I can't even identify enough to confess it yet. I just feel it. I, I, and I'm trying to figure it out. And I remember eventually I woke up super early. I just, I just felt like I just have to go right or figure it out or something. I need to talk to God. And at some level, it, um, 
I said, I don't know what it is, but I confess it. And please take it. Just take it. I can't even confess without help. And Jesus, the psalmist says, let your hand be ready to help me because I want to obey, but I can't. I can't. I can't do the basics. And what a comfort that is that it's not like Rumpelstiltskin who, or, you know, where the girl had to, the king or whoever captor was said, you have to turn this hay into gold. And she was like, how am I supposed to do that? God didn't do that with us. He gives us the gold. He makes the hay into gold. So what happens when this happens? We, join, we go kind of back to the first chapter of Hebrews and we go, wow, this Jesus is awesome. This Jesus is amazing. This salvation is beyond great, gracious. It is beyond our imagination. And we join those angels in praising this Savior this excellent name that has given us such, such a salvation. Let's pray. Lord, um, even as I close this study, I feel inept. I feel inept to even put words on it. Um, We do want to worship you with our words and our actions, but Lord, we are still limited. So we praise you in our, our little toddler voices, knowing that one day we'll be able to praise you for real in heaven and with new bodies. But Father, until then, we ask that your hand would help us to obey your commands, even where we squirm. And Lord, please just don't leave us. We know you won't, so we know we can ask you that, but don't leave us. And I pray that we would always, these women listening now, would always lean into you, that that we would have enough need to find and go to you for that need. In your son's name we pray, a most excellent name. Amen.